Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 148. Happy birthday to us. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, always a pleasure to have him on the show, Mr. Lawrence Mooney. Thank you very much, Josh. Brett, how are you? And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Um, can I just say the power of advertising? I am doing this a lot more. <laughs> Are you doing that a lot when something's impressive? Do you? If I could whistle, I'd probably do it. Yeah, if I if I try, I that's that's all I can the do. The first time I saw that Foxtel ad, I just thought people don't do they, people don't whistle it stuff. I am whistling at everything. I am the turd <laughs> off the Foxtel ad now. The turdy dad. <laughs> uh, that's you know we should restart the show and I'll introduce you as Turdy Dad. T- Turdy Dad number one. Turdy Dad is the name of my sitcom that I'm uh, starring in. Oh nice. On, <laughs> oh, I'm going to Channel Thirty One tomorrow with an idea. <laughs> there was a uh, there was in last year's uh, Comedy Channel uh, pitching competition where, where right. people go up to spa uh, and uh, you know ridiculously pay money to buy a ticket to spa in order to pitch at this conference. Uh, and so they have to buy a ticket to spa, they have to buy a plane ticket. And how much Musa. is a ticket to spa? 300 bucks or something? It's something like that. Yeah. And then they pitch uh, and they might, uh, they might win some kind of potential contract for Comedy Channel to... Uh, to underpay them to do a show. Yes. Now... You said you've seen it, so they also shoot the whole conference and the pitching thing and use that as a show anyway. Correct. That is insane. And uh, and and last year, somebody uh, somebody uh, it was actually one one of the guys from uh, Lost Trees Ring Barkus. He uh, he Steve had Steve Kearney. Steve Kearney had uh, Angry Dad, right, uh, or, or something like that. Uh, some some kind of Angry Dad scenario. Well, in the very early. Uh, Incarnation of SB comedy way back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, um, when let's go through the uh, the original cast Trevor Marmalade, Anthony Morgan, Judith Lucy, Tim Smith, Greg Fleet, that guy, um, Peter Grace, uh, Matt Parkinson, and Matt Quartermain. I think that's it, and Andy mm-hmm. Goodwin. Yep. Uh, so nine people started SB comedy with Trevor Hoare. They used to have an ongoing skit or sketch. Uh, called Naughty Dad. And uh, that sometimes featured Ben Mendelssohn as the Naughty Dad's child and because uh, he was a, a flatmate of Fleety's at the time. You can imagine the the personal hygiene in that place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so and the, the catchphrase was, Naughty Dad. And uh, so I don't know what Naughty Dad used to do. I, I think things that were not... Things a father shouldn't be doing, mm, mm. maybe with or to his children. So it's a, it's different to uh, angry dad d- and turd dad and turdy dad. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a huge show for our third birthday show, Lawrence. It's today, right? Today Happy when birthday. we're recording this, okay. it's our third birthday. So the the listener might have been confused. You said it's our hundred and forty eighth episode. Happy birthday to us. Why are you celebrating 148? But it's, in fact, your third birthday. Correct. We started on the 8th of September in 2005. Right. Mm-hmm. And now uh, we're recording this on the 8th of, uh, of September 2008. <laughs> that makes it your third birthday. Yeah, well, congratulations so. and well done on your level of commitment 
and your services to TV, arts and sciences. Well, thank well you I must very say much. that, that the, uh, the order of uh, third birthday to 150th show I think shows that we've slackened off in the last 12 months because I'm pretty sure that the 100th show was before the second birthday. Right, so your ratio, your, your run rate's coming down. Yeah. Except, although although except we do that. have three or four shows that aren't part of the uh, the numbering system. Correct. We had special edition beta and we had the two summer edition uh, mm. long interview mm. sessions. Special so, edition beta. Yes. After special edition alpha. Mm. Oh, no, sorry. It was special edition bravo yes. that we had because <laughs> we, we're going by the uh, military alphabet. Right. Because uh, I, I was thinking special edition, you were just talking about how good beta was and the, the halcyon <laughs> days of beta. It was after special edition VHS, but uh, special edition beta. Do you remember That's, Beta? I, I do remember Beta. I, when I was in uh, in high school and still in, in Year 12, so we're talking 1992, there was a, a guy in my class who's – he was the only family I knew uh, that still had a Beta VCR. Right. Uh, the, the whole concept there being that his dad thought, well, it still works – and as soon as he buys something new, they're just going to change it anyway. Right. As soon as he buys VHS, they're just going to change it so he will hold on <laughs> for dear life. And his family will never be able to rent a video ever again because <laughs> he's not going to fork out the 200 bucks for a new VCR. Well, John Flouse was a big stickler for uh, the quality benefits of uh, beta over VHS. Oh, yeah, and in absolutely. Fact, in fact, was, was a dedicated user until they stopped making tapes about three years ago. Widely acknowledged as better, and if you go into any, you know, TV station, all th- th- it's on. It's a slightly different format. It's yeah, it's a, but the it's, pro version of it. But, but it's uh, it's beta essentially yeah. rather than VHS. And uh, I go back to the the time when the video shop was cut in two. They had beta and VHS, and uh, then of course you know it's come full circle now. And there's the little Blu-ray section in your video store. Yes, and and yes. of course beta and, was and always better. The, the tiny little HD DVD section, which is just getting smaller and smaller each day. Be- beta was always better for video stores as well because they were they were much smaller tapes, right. so a video store could put more on a shelf. A VHS smaller. No, it's. Beta was smaller than VHS. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh. So VHS still couldn't well, put more on it. On they weren't shelf. as tall. I, no, they also weren't as wide. Really? Yeah. I thought they were fatter. They are fatter. Yeah. Like deeper. Or maybe maybe it's that they could have more shelves. So if you're having them standing up with their spine out, uh, you can put more shelves for the same amount of height. Anyway, mm. this is a terribly boring mm. conversation. Let's and just move to clarify on to from earlier. Yes, I, I just looked at you and went, "What? what is there, HD... There, there was a latter-day battle of the formats between HD DVD and Blu-ray DVD, right, which right. Com- which clearly just passed you by. No, no, um, I remember now, and uh, Blu-ray won the day. Yeah, yes. which was it has just been the last six now, months. Is that ratified at the UN, or is that a national thing, or an international thing, or it is, is it just all the it's electronics just, companies get together and go, what's it going to be? It's not the electronics companies, it's about the studios and what they're publishing. Right, so yep. it's the studios they decide. And then they went to The Hague, and a judgment came down, mm. and, uh, and now Milosevic can't, can't have HD DVD. Right. That's my understanding. Of and he still refuses to recognise the authority of the court. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And right. still can't have HD DVD. Speaking on the authority of the court, if I just may interrupt. Sure. Um, nice little ad cutaway highlight from last week's Dancing with the Stars where Red Simon says, I do not recognise the uh, 
I did not uh, recognise this court. <laughs> and Todd McKinney goes, yeah, well, we didn't recognise the Foxtrot. So I, <laughs> I thought it was very sweet. It's, Good it's, on you, it's Tom. Very, very, Todd. very rare for, for uh, Todd to, to get one over on, on Red. Red's usually so quick like that. Mm. And, you know, Todd's had, uh, you know, had to defend his own reputation of late, so it's nice yeah. to see him back in the game. Yeah, good on him. Has much been made of that? Can I talk about what's going to be on like the Charles bloody show? Pretty much just ignored the whole but you, woke up in a park. Are we doing pork now? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> we're going to do pork at go, the start Josh. of the show. Josh, go. Pork go. is going to be at the end of the show. Josh, go. And uh, I will <laughs> hit you so hard, Brett Cropley. Three years or no three years, I will just smash your teeth in. We've got James Talia coming up later on in the show. Brett Cropley has a quote from uh, television last week. We've also got a little look at Very Small Business and The Strip, which both started last week on Australian television. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Just in case we're not sick of this as a story yet, Channel 9 will be screening Underbelly in Victoria this Sunday after a court ruling. Well. It's the first two episodes. The first five episodes are allowed to be screened. Yes. So what they're going to do is two episodes on the Sunday night and then three to five will screen on Tuesday and Sunday nights. In the following two weeks. What the hell are they doing at Channel 9? Well, I think they realise that everybody's seen it. They're pretty much uh, they're pulling, pulling down the big top. <laughs> <laughs> they're putting the elephants back in the trailer and they're moving on. And these are uh, edited versions of the first five episodes. And it was a different judge. It wasn't uh, Justice Betty King. It yeah, was Justice Peter Vickery. Queen of banning things. Justice Peter Vickery ruled that edited versions of the first five episodes in the series will be able to air in Victoria. Interestingly, out of this story, uh, just Judge Betty King's uh, order actually expired in May. So uh, so technically, Channel 9 have been allowed to run it from then. But since then, Victoria's Director of Public Prosecutions, Jeremy Rapke QC, issued a warning against any screening of the series, which is kind of like... It, it's not. It's not actually a court ruling. It's a threat from from a legal entity um, to Channel Nine. To you know, it's a bit like, don't you dare screen that, or else uh, you'll be in contempt of court. Now, is there anyone going to watch that on Channel Nine uh, who hasn't seen it already? And if so, why would they be watching an edited version when it's widely available on DVD? And I've got to say, law-abiding citizen that I am, I have not watched one episode of Underbelly, just in case I was called up for jury duty, I want to be impartial all the way. Well, good on, and that's the good way on you. I respect the system. Good on you, Lawrence. I'm just putting it out there to the I'm judiciary. Just... I'm clear. If you want to call me up for jury duty, Personally, <laughs> you're out of work at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I'm hoping that when they say specially edited versions of these episodes, what they mean is they've taken out the bloody voiceover. No. Is there, is there voice? <laughs> 
Is there voiceover in the show? There is voiceover in the show. And what and does the voiceover show? Is it exposition or? It's so much exposition, so much unnecessary exposition, exposition and it comes from uh, a uh, police detective. Uh, who who's following the case? And right. it's just and it, it's really things like well, and as we would soon soon learn, Gangitano was in for a bit of lead of his own, and things like things like that. Just so it's, so it's kind of those bad crime recreation shows, like with you know Ulysses McCoons and Steve Liebman, where they do the voiceover like that, very kind of leaden. Yeah, although it, it is, it's extremely occasional. It's not an overbearing narration, but it's describing every single scene. Right, it's, it's enough it's to just once or twice or three. Do you times think it'd be episode. better if they did a kind of an Australian funniest home videos thing and had Shelley Craft propping up and just doing the exposition, just going, "Oh, oh look out, because Gangitano's about to get it in the face." <laughs> I, I would love that if, uh, yeah. if you know, when when uh, you know one of the. Uh, one of the brothers gets shot, and they have boing <laughs> right. as the, uh, as wah, the sound wah, wah, wah. and then a, a laugh track. Mm. That yeah. that's how they should do the specially edited episodes. I like it when they give a little dog a voiceover when the dog you know gets attacked by a kitten and goes, "Why I order?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now I I must say that uh, that I suspect that for as much as we've spoken about people watching illegal copies of it in Victoria that there's still a lot of people out there who haven't seen the series. Oh yeah, there, uh, there are there are a lot of people who haven't seen the series, but are they going to uh be able to considering that uh Channel 9 do not like the idea of uh people using Ice TV to uh help record their shows. Why would they be putting it on Two different nights. How are they going to get people to just have that ridiculous habit of, I'm going to watch it on Sunday and Tuesday? Can I just backtrack for a moment? Did you say they don't like people using Ice TV? Yes. Ice TV is is an electronic program guide that uh, you can actually download and use on your personal video recorder like uh, the programming guide on a fo- on Foxtel's IQ. Right. And you can say, well, I want to record uh, every episode of Underbelly that's on, and it will just do that for but you. You have to keep changing the tape. Uh, no, no, not, not VCR. Because hard drive. Hard drive recorder. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I just got stuck back in yes. the 70s yes. for a moment there. No, no like, grandpa, no <laughs> tape anymore. Right. So, okay, into your hard drive, right. So, it, which plugs into your kind of new TV, right? Uh, Might be on a no, media centre computer. I've got a, I've got a regular uh, cathode ray television, right? And, uh, and I've got the t- tube. Yeah, yeah. I've got a tube, and uh, and I've uh, got a, a PVR plugged into that, just just like a regular DVD or VCR player. Okay, so but it has to be going to air in order for you to record it. Yes, yes. Okay. So I can't I can't just go and, and grab it from, from from anywhere. The ether. It still has to go to air. Yeah. Still still needs to be recorded when it goes to air, but you can have an electronic program guide where you can say uh yes, I want to record every episode of Underbelly and it will just do it automatically. Right. Or but, everything with Lawrence Mooney and it'll give me ding dong and it'll give me postcards and Coxie's big break. <laughs> No, Coxie's big break. <laughs> yeah, just postcards. Yeah, but it gets that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> everyone gets that. Right. You're the guy of Coxie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, we've so, been, we have been there. That's right. So Channel Nine have have tried to sue uh, 
uh, Ice TV for using their electronic program guide. They have sued Ice TV. Well, they have sued Ice TV. They lost the first time round, and then uh, they've appealed. Uh, the The issue is, though, if they're not going to allow technology like that, why would they put a, a show on because two under, different nights a underbelly week? Underbelly is so big that it's appointment TV. People are going to be home, sat down in front of the telly to watch it, along with the ads that they put in between. Do you know, um, one of the things that I love about free-to-air TV is that uh, you have to commit to the show or the movie you're going to watch. I don't mind watching a movie on free-to-air TV because you get your little ad break, you go to the toilet, put the kettle on, you come back and you're back into the movie. And you've got to watch it between 8.30 and 10.30 because you can't pause and that's it. You've got to commit to it. So in order to complete that little loop in my mind, I have created Lawrence Mooney TV. And so I do a little bit of programming. That's right. At 8.30 tonight in my lounge room, I'm going to watch an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then coming up after that at 9 o'clock is an episode of The Goodies. <laughs> and so I, I program my night of television and then I had to commit to it. I pretend it's free to air. <laughs> <laughs> So I can, and then I've got to, you know, pause it and get a cup of tea halfway through. That Do you run over strange... time so that so that you won't turn over? <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I do. <laughs> Sometimes with a special feature. <laughs> such such a strange window into your life. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. Otherwise, if I think that it's not, you know, I've got complete autonomy, I'll pause it. I'll end up doing something else. I'll never watch a whole episode of anything. Well, yeah, you you were saying last time. You, you were on that, uh, you know, you'll be on your way to the kitchen and get distracted doing something uh, on, on your way there and uh, and just get completely lost. I am. I've got a very short attention span as a result. I don't know what it's a result of, maybe alcohol abuse. <laughs> <laughs> or I just think it might be the, the, the times that we live in. There's so many distractions going on that it's very hard to just sit down and commit to... The- there is too to much TV. There is too much going on, and uh, in uh, in doing prep for this show, I've often tried to watch a television show while also uh, doing my notes for the show, mm. and uh, it just it just doesn't work. I can't do either of them justice. So yes, I, I I admire your I need to commit to television for the night. Yeah, I I really do. And yet you still persist, and uh, this is the result. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's not talk about who's underprepared. Brett you, might have, you might have heard of <laughs> this is this is a delicious little kind of odd couple that you. But the thing is, you're both odd. <laughs> I suppose they were too, weren't they? Oscar, Oscar yeah. Madison, and Felix. And Unger. Felix Unger. I uh, I always wanted to be Oscar. I never wanted to be Felix. Right. Which one do you you you're? I, I am Oscar. You're Oscar, yeah. right? You took, Can't see, help it. That's what I wanted to say. Not you two. You're both odd. You're both Oscars. Yes. Odd in the same way. Yeah. Odd in the same way. Odd in the same way. Brett, do you have any bloody news? Uh, People may not recognise immediately the name Richard Reed unless they think of the shoe bomber, but uh, it's a different Richard Reed uh, who... Oh, it's Richard Reed! Is Channel 9's uh, Man on the Inside from Hollywood, uh, currently senior segment producer for Entertainment Tonight, um, who has been given the go-ahead, along with Georgie Parker, to shoot a pilot for a 5.30pm weeknight chat show, which, uh, as long-standing box cutters uh, listeners will know, is a 
bad move because Georgie Parker just doesn't operate well without a script. I think Georgie Parker's lost her mind completely. But <laughs> Richard Reed, I find a little bit shrill uh, quite early in the morning because I, I whacked the Today Show on um, straight out of bed uh, to, fo- to watch Lisa Wilkinson. Uh, she's the sexiest thing on television ever. And uh, Richard Reed, too much. But did you see the fascinating idea that somebody at the Today Show came up with was putting Richard Reed out on the road through uh, central Queensland with Stephen Jacobs and they're doing news, they're doing weather crosses together and Richard Reed was uh, in Ipswich, you know, formerly the house, the, the seat for Pauline Hanson. Mm. I thought, yeah, they're going to really embrace <laughs> a very tall, screaming American queen in Ipswich. Hello, everybody! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, I think he's good, Richard Reed. I kind of enjoy him, but sometimes a little bit too much in the morning. Uh, apparently a Night Insider has told the Daily Telegraph in Sydney the synergy between Georgie and Richard is apparently fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was Georgie who has let the star talent, who has the star talent to get the show over the line. She's apparently a great host and has delivered exactly what Nine were looking for. This is an anonymous source who's, who's qualifying his statements with apparently's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how many gold logies, Georgie Parker? Uh, uh, One hundred and fifty, I believe. Correct. Yes. Uh, in uh, in in other important government related television news, as Georgie Parker always is, uh, the Australian reports that uh, Communications Minister Stephen Conroy uh, has said after a trip to the US and Britain where he has seen their digital channels and the take-up of digital and HD over there, he now finally says... Sorry, I should have prefaced this with in Der Freddy news. Right. I, I had a feeling it was going to be Der Freddy. Yeah. Like, he's gone overseas and seen television and come back and gone, oh, oh you should see what they're doing with telly over there. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's said that content is the biggest individual factor in the take-up of digital television. Well, blow me away, Stephen Conroy, if we haven't been saying that for the last two years. But keeping in mind that this isn't Stephen Conroy's legislation that that the networks are dealing with currently. But it should have been the first thing he said when he came in as communications minister. He was was very hard to pin down on anything for for a number of months. He should really have said... Uh, there's nothing I can do about Telstra. As far as television goes, we really need to look at compelling content. It's so bloody obvious. Anyone with a television would be able to tell him that. But okay, the what, networks what, aren't sure that they want them. What point is he making? I mean, what what uh, what is the point of contention that he's either that he's negating basically by saying is somebody arguing that content isn't the issue? Uh, well, the previous government uh, had these anti-siphoning laws that uh, mean that uh, networks cannot screen uh, first-run major sporting events on anything other than their original channel. Okay. That's fine. So you're basically five-channel people out in the burbs that can't afford anything else, they're getting a good run. But it also means that that Channel 7 could not have other sports on at the same time during the Olympics. They could only show one stream of Olympics coverage. Uh, it means that Channel 9 have never been able to do the uh, the, the multi-camera angles of cricket that we were promised 
back when uh, we were all sold on the idea of, of digital television, uh, it means that, uh, you know, I can't do multiple camera, camera angles on, on, the, uh, on the Grand Prix on Channel 10. All the networks have had their hands tied by these anti-siphoning laws, which are intended to, uh, I don't know, they were simultaneously intended to uh, protect the networks and the viewers, but really have just meant that we are behind the rest of the world in everything. So, the anti-siphoning laws are going to be looked at again next year. So, it sounds like he's kind of flagging the idea that uh, it might be time that everyone gets their multiple camera angles and that anti-siphoning laws are out. But, you know, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on on those HD channels, isn't there? Exciting stuff, isn't there? Uh, there's about three three unique shows on HD per day per network, I guess. Yeah, uh, Veronica Mars and... Um, and Brett. Andrew O'Keefe's uh, late-night chat show called... Uh, the Big... This Is Your this is Laugh... Your laugh. Uh, it, it which was, is going to be exclusively on Seven, Seven's HD channel. It was originally going to be called The Late Andrew O'Keefe, which we uh, reported some, like many, many months ago. Uh, I think Ross still had that chair that you're sitting in. That's how that's how long ago it was. And at at, at that point, we had Andrew O'Keefe. We had Ross Grant, R- Ross McQueen, who uh, it's our co-host, who uh, just stopped turning up one day. Right. Okay. He uh, he he is had he a, on missing person. He had a he had a second baby and said, uh, "I've got to go and I've got to go and take care of that." And uh, uh, and yes, yeah, so and we've we've had we've had uh, ongoing. Uh, but yes, Ross. So that's uh, about three or four months ago uh, when Ross was last mm. in the show, so and we were talking time. about late Andrew O'Keefe back then. Have you uh, had- have you got an insight into what's happening on uh, This Is Your Laugh? Any any news? Well, I'm not sure that anybody's going to have any insight even once it starts uh, because nobody's going to be watching it. Right. Well, that's not that's not true. There are what? people who, who watch the HD channel. What was, what was the other one with she who shall not be boned on it? Yeah, Nobody that was watched a, that. That was a bad show. This might be a good show. I mean, it's been in development for a long time. Maybe they've, I mean, sure, they've given it a worse title. and uh, but, but maybe, just maybe, they'll be uh, moving it forwards into... into uh, new territory. You don't I've, know. I've heard uh, on the grapevine that uh, Andrew wants to do Parkinson-style interviews with showbiz people with a real twist, and that twist being he's that, animated. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of that animated show that I was accused of being the voiceover Next for? Da- David no. Tench. David Tench. Yes. I, did you cop some of that? I uh, got a little bit of that in one of the uh, you know gossip columns that uh, it's believed that Lawrence Mooney could in fact be the voice of David Tench, which I wasn't. And even if I was, I'd probably be still contracted to say I wasn't. So you went, but uh, you were the voice of uh, Shane Bourne. <laughs> I was uh, the the voice of Shane Bourne in his animated series. Right. Bourne and me. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do today? Um, I'd love to voice a uh, animation of Shane Bourne. That'd be great. Anyway, um, so the twist is that uh, people will be telling um, dark and mysterious kind of like uh, stories about their past and there will be some kind of um, impro-representation of that story. Oh. Like an interpretive dance. Kind of like an interpretive, comic interpretive dance. Right. I don't know whether I've been subject to secrecy. I'm uh, not meant to tell you that, but uh, hey, do you, do you, what do the you, hell? Do you have involvement in that, Lawrence? 
Um, are you? I read something on. You oh, know, you, you you read something from my agent. About that. I really should start up right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, speaking of, uh, of of other people wanting to do pilots, uh, Daryl Summers was one of the ones who wanted to do a pilot for Channel Seven, um, and perhaps because he wasn't allowed to do that, uh, he's no longer hosting Dancing with the Stars. But he was spotted at uh, Channel Nine down in Bendigo Street, uh, having a bit of a chat about returning to the network next year to uh, do some hosting of a Best of Hey Hey series. Do you know, when where, it comes where, where to... Where do you get that from, Brett? Where's, uh, where's your source? Because that, that sounds so much like rumour. I think you, you need to uh, give that a source. That's from the Daily Telegraph, not the confidential section. I'd actually heard, though, that uh, Daryl had been spotted down in Bendigo Street before that uh, came mm. out. I think when it comes to Daryl Summers and pilots, most people would... Uh, like him to pilot an ultralight aircraft on a windy day. <laughs> oh, that's real. That was nasty. Oh, I, and I'm a big me. fan of Daryl's. I just w- I went for a cheap gag. There. You did, and uh, it was it was good. Though. Yeah, it worked. It worked. <laughs> Apparently, this discussion with Joe Nine has come after an offer from Foxtel to create a one-off Hey Hey It's That Day reunion show. Uh, Channel Nine decided that uh, he shouldn't be doing it over on Foxtel, and uh, he brought him in. Right in uh, in. Probably uh, more has been used than than that. Gary Coleman oh. has apparently hit a fan with a truck. This comes from uh, the Herald Sun in Melbourne. Uh, Gary Coleman tried to punch a fan and ram his car into him, according to a US television station, uh, which is ABC Four of Salt Lake City. Uh, according what the hell to, was he doing in Salt Lake City? According Has to going Mormon. Uh, Coleman's bodyguard, when a fan approached him uh, and asked to take a photo, Coleman politely declined and was subsequently harassed by the fan, and that apparently when Coleman was leaving, uh, the uh, the fan was running around his car and uh, and then... Oh, or his his van, or whatever it is, and Coleman just tried to leave and and hit the guy. But twenty uh, four year old Rush uh, Colt Rushton is the fan. Colt Rushton. Colt Rushton. He wants to be in Hollywood himself, doesn't he, Colt? Yes, he says he says different things. He says that uh, Coleman's wife took his cell phone, mm-hmm. and that Coleman himself threw several punches before getting behind the wheel of his truck. Through several punches, followed by the catchphrase, "What you talking about, Willis?" Yes. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, and then rah, 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 ah! uh, Gary Coleman. He's, this is not the first time this has happened with Gary Coleman. He's, I thought he, he has anger issues. Well, he's probably yes. tried what? to kill this man, thinking he must be the last fan of. Um, what was the name? Different, of the show? different, different strokes. strokes alive. So if I get rid of him, I'm free now. Well, I think it's I think like it a was video game. I suspect there's a lot of obsessed fans out there that are harassing him quite a bit. I, was the last time when he was working as a security guard in a store and a fan came up to yes. him? Yes. Yeah. I, I happened to be in LA when that happened, um, and it was on the local news all over the place. It was very Did busy. See, Didn't and, Russell was... Crowe beat him senseless with a phone? No, no not him. No. <laughs> No, just uh, just uh, th- see. I wouldn't go up to him. He beat he beat a, uh, a concierge with Gary Coleman. Oh, right, that's right. I wouldn't go up to him and ask him about different strokes because that's so obvious. And I, I would go up to him and ask him about the Gary Coleman show, which was a cartoon version of his film right. Kid with a Broken Halo. 
uh, and or the boy with the broken halo, uh, and uh, also about his his two films, boy with the broken halo, and uh, the the kid with the two hundred IQ. Yeah, it's, I know a lot about Gary Coleman. Two hundred is impossible, isn't it? Uh, not in this film. Not in this mm. film. Well, you know, if you're going to argue that, uh, what about when um, the computer that wore tennis shoes, uh, Goldie Hawn's husband, Kurt Early Russell? Disney, <laughs> Kurt Russell. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he was the computer that wore tennis shoes, and I know because I was forced to watch that film because the great race was sold out that day because oh. we were into the city quite late. Well, was was that before or after the uh, uh, Barefoot Executive? <laughs> it was definitely before. Right. The Barefoot Executive, the computer that wore tennis shoes, yeah. It was a whole run of those, and they're quite, they were quite good films. Here we go, Bananas. No, Kurt, Rus- Kurt Russell wasn't in that. Oh. Right. But, yeah, I mean, um, Herbie the Love Bug was on the same kind of building as The Great Race. They definitely didn't come out in the same school holidays. Uh, It would have been pandemonium. (laughs) It would have. It would have. Uh, That's all my news. Brett, do you want to do some His Tabs and Friends very quickly? Yes, a few uh, gardening guru, Kevin Hines, who hasn't been on telly for a while but uh, always signed up with Cheerio. Uh, Cheerio for now, I think you'll find that is. And uh, Michael Pates, who you might remember from uh, Matlock Police, mm-hmm. uh, one one of my favourite uh, cop dramas from I the years. Loved Matlock Police, and um, I'm really looking forward to the day when Crawford Productions bring all of those shows out on DVD because they're just not available on DVD. And I did a little bit of research with the passing of Michael Pate, Farley Michael, and to you, Kevin. Um, and Crawford Productions were producing at the time. Uh, a TV cop drama for each of the networks. Division 4 on Channel 7, um, Homicide on... No, Division no, 4 on Channel 9. Homicide uh, on, on cha- 7. 7. And Matlock Police on Channel 10. Oh, Channel, Channel o. o. Excuse me, Channel <laughs> O. <laughs> you can't let anything get past these two TV Oscar Madisons. Um, Channel O. <laughs> Michael Pate was also uh, the the advertising face of VHS cassettes when they first came out. Oh. If, do you remember those ads? Um, he was walking down kind of these metal shelves of VHS tapes, and it's the future of television. Right. He's the uh, is it Matt Shervington that did the Blu-ray or I, don't, I, don't I haven't know. seen anything for Blu-ray. I remember yet. Gough Whitlam did Voca phones. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Phone Voca now. It was. And uh, finally, somebody that we talked about a bit last week uh, with the wrestling, Killer Kowalski, passed away over the week. Pretty much as we were talking about him. Yeah, pretty much. I hope it wasn't our fault. Mm. Um, Did he have a particular hold or a drop or, you know, did he do the double suplex or, the you know? He was a villain and uh, picked up the nickname Killer after uh, he was was wrestling somebody who had a cauliflower ear and and, uh, did a a jump off the ropes onto him and he kind of moved at the last minute. And um, he'd he'd almost completely missed the guy but caught his ear and it rolled away over the canvas. Mm. The guy was taken off the hospital, uh, management... Told uh, Kowalski to go and say uh, say sorry. He went in and and uh, they they were actually quite friendly and having a bit of a laugh over it. But the reporters out in the corridor heard him laughing and and thought, "Oh my god, what a savage bastard this guy is! He's the killer." Right. Ah. Well, here's, <laughs> here's to absent friends Heinz Pate and Kowalski, and that is the extended box cutters news. 
Bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue à Box Cutters. Good morning everybody and welcome to Box Cutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. And now, it's not the first Monday of the month, but last week with Ray Pungeron, we just knew there wasn't going to be enough time to have a long conversation with our un-Australian correspondent and Channel 9's European correspondent, James Talia. Welcome to Box Cutters. Hello, guys. Nice to be with you again. I have to say, no problem at all getting bumped for Ray Punja. That was an absolute pleasure to listen to last week. Oh, well, good. Good, because he's just... We, we really only covered off about ooh, 8% of the stories we wanted to hear from Ray. If that. He's just a, a mine of information about the uh, golden years of television, isn't he? Well, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, you, I'm sure, still have some uh, contact with Pete Smith. Can you imagine what a great show that would be? Just the two of them. It would be an awesome show, but I think, as Ray indicated, the show would probably go for about eight days and no one else would get a word in. That'd be it. As you said, you just put him in the studio, turn the mics on and go. Yeah, go, go off, get a pizza, see a film, come back, just make sure that all the mics are still on. Just change the tapes. And they'd be still in 1957. <laughs> Now, uh, James, of course, we've got uh, Lawrence Mooney uh, in as our uh, special co-host for the show. Hello, James. G'day, Lawrence. It was actually... I'm very well indeed. It was actually Pete Smith that gave me some great television advice uh, when I was working on postcards. I said, so, you know, have you got any advice for someone starting out in the industry? And he said, yeah, don't get too friendly with the crew. Pretend to like them, but don't get personally involved. (laughs) (laughs) And then he left a nice theatrical pause and he goes, Bert told me that. Uh, we definitely have to get him back and it's so true i mean you know sound and camera and lighting very important but you don't really want to hang out with them (laughs) no no, i'm joking (laughs) now Uh, yeah sure you are (laughs) james can i uh can i change the tone here and can we go with a box cutters exclusive sure channel nine have been cutting their budget uh, for you know the, the last few months and uh, and cutting staff here and cutting staff there and uh, cutting it was staff everywhere really cutting staff everywhere uh, here a cut there a cut everywhere a cut cut channel nine had a show uh, anyway so uh, we've been wondering for quite a while what is going to happen to uh, European correspondents for for channel nine and uh, I understand that. Uh, it will be no more. Uh, sadly, that's the case, Josh. Yeah, they've decided that uh, there's no longer a need for a presence in Europe. And I was told about this some weeks ago at the time that Sunday and Nightline were axed. And it's clear that uh, there's a fair bit of financial pressure around for Channel 9 at the moment. And um, it's, I, I guess when the pressure's coming on in news and current affairs and uh, that pressure means that it's being it's made harder and harder to produce a half-hour bulletin with all the local resources you need in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and elsewhere, then it's a little more difficult to justify having someone in Europe, especially since Channel 7 hasn't had anyone here for about four years now. So sadly, that's the decision that's been made. I think I said at the time about Sunday and Nightline that from uh, a news and current affairs point of view, it was very sad, but I think we all have to be realistic about the... uh, 
difficulties financially of running a free-to-air network right now, and I have to say the same thing about the situation I find myself in. So are they going to give you a return ticket, or they've just gone, look, buy a rail pass, James, and uh, have a bit of a time to yourself? When does it officially yeah, end? They, uh, it ends end of September, right. 30th of September. And, when- and yeah, I said if they, if they would stump up for a, a backpack, then I'd be willing to take care <laughs> of it. Yeah. Well, once the Christmas hampers went, it was only a matter of time before the European junket dried up. <laughs> That's right, exactly, because it's, it's, it's been nothing but a junket, and I think if, if we're not even going to give out hampers, then, yeah. you know, we can't be having me swinging right. around the South of France it, on the it, company time. If they're not going to shell out for a nice smoked ham, you think, gee, Europe's really on the blink here. It's not going to be the Ritz either, exactly. But, but this was really just a, I mean... Looking at it realistically, like you say, it, it was a matter of time. Once they cut uh, all of your production staff, uh, and you suddenly had to, uh, uh, you know, find be, the cameraman on the street, producer, find the cameraman, or you know, shoot the shows yourself, or if you couldn't get a cameraman, actually just draw <laughs> uh, what happened in your interviews and then turn them into a Flickr book that uh, that, that you could then show on it. Book quite a workout, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it really was only a matter of time, but throughout uh, your time as European correspondent, we've been talking about how uh, important it is for an Australian network to have a presence in Europe and how, uh, how much better it's been for Nine that you've been on the spot able to get stories that Channel 7 have always been a day or two behind on uh, because well, they just didn't have anybody there. I'd, I'd still like to think that's the case, um, and obviously I would like to think that this has happened purely for financial reasons, not because I haven't been working hard enough. Um, as you said, once, the, once all the staff were gone and there wasn't even a staff cameraman anymore, it became a hell of a lot tougher. Um, just to get things done day to day, but uh, it, it has happened. There's still been plenty of stories coming out of here, and I think we have had an advantage over Channel 7. Clearly, it's not enough of an advantage to warrant continuing when you consider that the, the competition is so intense uh, among the networks in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Now we love to see a, a you know a local face on our news, and given the hypothetical this hypothetical situation, James, you're brought back here. They've shut down the European office, and uh, the Queen dies in a fortnight. They're going to put someone on a plane over there, aren't they? Or are they just going to do a BBC feed? Of no, no, no. They're, most of the time, uh, well, it's, that, that raises a couple of issues. The, the, the first of which is that we have to remember, really, how much more advanced and commonplace feeds have become. Mm. I mean, if, if you think about it, compared to 20 years ago, um, uh, there's a lot more material available now. We have a permanent line open from London to Sydney on the satellite and on fibres, and uh, Sky News out of London comes down that line 24 hours a day. So uh, unless it's an Australian-themed story that Sky isn't covering, that story can just as easily be done out of Sydney. And yes, it's preferable to have an Australian face and voice on that story from London, but it's not completely necessary anymore the way it would have been a long time ago. Having said that, when, when the big ones happen... People will be scrambling for planes, absolutely, which is what Channel 7's been doing for the past four years. But then Channel 9 still have, uh, what is it, 80 different uh, American correspondents. <laughs> we have two in the US. Right, yes. yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, one, of, one of those is in, in Washington. Surely it's going to be easy to send your Washington correspondent over to London uh, to, well, to no, do a story. Both of those are in LA, Josh. Oh, really? 
I, yeah. I, I wasn't Who's aware over of there at the moment? Who are our correspondents? Uh, Rob Penfold, mm-hmm. the elegant veteran, as he's known around the network. He uh, looks good still on camera, yep. He, he's, uh, he's golden. Mm. Um, and uh, Peter Stefanovic is there as well. <sighs> right. It's, I thought Robert Penfold was was in Washington. I mean, why do we need two people to cover LA? He just he just wheels out the White House flat ah. and just sits in front of it <laughs> right. and does his cross from Washington exactly. in a uh, studio right. much, in Glendale. Much like Big Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, why don't you know? It is TV. I mean, it's you know news in inverted commas. Why don't they just have the uh, the Big Ben flat and you can still be the London correspondent? You know, like they do on well, sketch I, shows. I thought of perhaps putting the Big Ben flat in my flat and doing it that way. <laughs> right. Seeing if we can find some way to do broadband live. <laughs> Just do it right off your laptop. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. But I'll tell you what, though, we're not a long way off that. There's, um, there's some pretty interesting technology uh, emerging at the moment which is allowing that to happen far more quickly I watch, and with far better picture than audio. I watch some live feeds from Eastern Europe and, uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, that was off, uh, yeah. that was off subject. <laughs> so, I don't like that channel too. But yeah. <laughs> can never understand what that old lady's saying, but boy, she looks enthusiastic. So, James, you've got you've got three weeks left, and then uh, and, and then what for uh, for you? I mean, cl- clearly, European correspondent. Uh, then uh, the ABC would just say, "Stay there. We'll use you for foreign correspondent." <laughs> Isn't that the well, way it works in television? They probably wouldn't do that because they still have three correspondents in London. <laughs> um, and I, I, I should also add, and this is perhaps uh, not, not to be talking against my own employer, but it is an interesting and unexpected development that it's now the situation that the only Australian commercial network with a correspondent in London will be Channel 10. And not, not one of the leaders in news traditionally. Not traditionally, no. No, um, but, but always, they, always they temporarily. A bureau here. They established a bureau here last year, having not had one for about twenty years before that, and uh, sent Danielle Arsdale from their Sydney newsroom um, to operate much the way, much the same way as I have been. She's on her own, using freelance uh, camera people, and doing a, doing a lot of it herself. But they're very, very happy with that arrangement, and um, uh, they're still going to be getting the yarns out of Europe, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, that's that's really uh, really odd. I mean, it, do you think we we may, and you know, I shudder to think, but we may see a day when Channel Ten are the ones that we turn to for uh, big international stories, well, or the breaking you know, news. We, we're, we're we're talking, uh, you know, about Channel Ten in this kind of condescending way. But remember, they started Eyewitness News. That's true. They're the people that are the eyewitness. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that when Bruce Mansfield headed that news team, he was cutting edge. <laughs> he was cutting edge high fast. Although to, to look at them now and, and see some of uh, their news anchors' uh, responses to some of their stories in Mel Walden, who sometimes doesn't hold back, uh, I think that's a bit of an indication of where they've come to today. I like Mel. I... Mel's just a diamond, isn't he? Yeah. He really is. Cocks an eyebrow or rolls his eyes at a, at a yarn or two. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, almost I, expecting I, I, to I, say, young people, <laughs> what will I get up to next? <laughs> exactly. And who can put it past him when you see some of their reporters? Um, 
I don't mean to be condescending about Channel 10 in saying that, incidentally. I, when I say it's ironic, I think it is because for, I think exactly the, the reason you said that they're not necessarily thought of as yeah. being a huge news presence. Um, and good on them. If they, can, if they think they can keep getting away with it, money-wise, then uh, they must be... Uh, they must have some tricks up their sleeves that the well, rest of us don't. Well, here's the thing as well, because Channel 10 have uh, have been reporting... Uh, the least, uh, the least profits over the last few years as well. So, uh, you know, it, it really does make me wonder how do they keep that going? I mean, obviously, they've got some very cheap, high-rating television in uh, endless repeats of The Simpsons, uh, and they've still got uh, Neighbours, which makes them some money. But uh, th- how are they justifying that? That's what I don't understand. Well, I think that they're, they're given a news and current affairs budget, and then it's it's the responsibility of the person who runs that department to spend that as he sees fit. Now, what they were doing is they had one full-time correspondent in the States and effectively a second full-time correspondent who was a freelancer. Now, they took the money they had allocated to that freelancer in the States and shifted it into a London position. That's how they've managed to do it. All right. Well, that... That makes more sense. I also struggle to uh, to understand why Channel Nine wouldn't uh, maintain such an important uh, role in their newsroom, yet they will uh, roll out brand new episodes of the strip. That's uh, now. I think you'll find Westy didn't commission the strip. <laughs> now, the great thing about uh, your imminent return to Australia, James, is that you'll be able to jump on board the uh, the network cross-promotional um, vehicle that is Hole in the Wall. Uh, are you looking uh, forward to it? Hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> I want to see you in a skin-tight silver suit. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, you and many others, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand why uh, they can't get the shapes right, those people. They're watching it come towards them, and some of their cognitive responses to the shape in front of them is just amazingly Freudian. <laughs> I, I, I think... Um, Probably what's going on in the green room beforehand might have a little to do with that, you think? <laughs> that, it's not a good yeah. mix of uh, alcohol and, and swimming pools. <laughs> alcohol and shape picking. Yes. Very good. Now, James, uh, we, uh, we were talking about uh, the Olympics in the past few weeks. The Olympics are over now, uh, and all yeah. eyes now are on London for the 2012 Olympics. Indeed, which uh, which will be broadcast in Australia by Channel Nine, of course. First time in many many years that it hasn't been Channel Seven, and so it's it's good that we're going to have someone there to report all the goings on in the lead up. In the closing ceremony uh, in Beijing, James, we saw the you know the tableau of what we can expect from the culture of the city that's going to get the keys to the Olympic Games uh, coming up, and it was London. And uh, was there much discussion in London about the the double-decker bus that seemed to peel back and it had little echoes for me of, well, not so little, but very clear echoes of July 2005. I thought it was a little bit bad taste. A little bit bad taste. I'm not sure if anyone thought of that beforehand, but given that there there was a bus involved in the 7-7 bombings, the connotations weren't great. Um, 
whether or not that was meant to make uh, meant, meant to look any better from the fact that it turned into an English hedgerow um, I, I don't think that made much difference no there was no one said out loud oh my god they blew up that bus yeah right <laughs> In, you know, so none of the tabloids no one directly went to it but no I think I think that was too tasteless even for the tabloids right. but everyone was thinking of, of it and certainly everyone thought that it was a shabby effort um, not just because of that but just because it was also a bit lame you know right it, it was a little bit uh, a Stedford, a little bit young talent time, but uh, I think it's still <laughs> better than. Well, I think it's still a little bit better than kangaroos on bikes. I don't oh, know. Oh come on! You be the judge. <laughs> well, and this was the point that was made by by those who were seeking to defend London's effort in the Beijing closing ceremony. A couple of commentators said, yeah, but you remember the closing ceremony of the Atlanta Games, and Sydney had their few minutes, and it was inflated kangaroos and we all thought Sydney was going to be a disaster but their opening ceremony was magnificent and they pulled it off and that's what London's going to do as well but, well fair play those kangaroos were really shit <laughs> yes but then again the UK isn't famous for its wildlife either what are you going to have like badgers on bikes or large <laughs> water rats from a London sewer on bikes <laughs> no well, they settled for a, a, a lollipop lady on a zebra crossing instead <laughs> Which is so English, isn't it? That says England to me. They should have had, you know, deep, every all kinds of food deep fried. That's what I wanted to see, giant blow-up versions of deep fried pizza. I wanted to see someone getting glassed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> uh, and pe- personally, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to fox hunting as a demonstration sport. Yeah, very much so. They could go for any number of demonstration sports, couldn't they? Strange stuff. How about the uh, bog snorkeling or the cheese rolling? Bog snorkeling. Oh, cheese rolling. I've seen the cheese rolling. That's fascinating. That's, we yeah, could, we could give some good <laughs> cheese rolling performances, I think. <laughs> I think Australia would, would come good in the cheese rolling. I think you'd find we'd, there'd be a demonstration gold medal in that for us. Yes, yes, and that's, uh, and that's what we want. So what else... Uh, what else in London town or in the Europe, James? Well, actually, on, on, the, uh, on the subject of the Olympics, I was thinking this. I think the Olympics started just after we last spoke, um, and uh, the Beeb was broadcasting the Games in Britain. And uh, it was interesting for me watching the Games on the Beeb while at the same time reading all the criticism in the Australian papers of... Uh, the way the games were, were covered by Channel 7. Um, and the most notable thing was, of course, the Beeb, uh, they were multi-channeling, mm-hmm. which is just fantastic. And I think that's something that you didn't have down there. Oh, no. Um, press, the, press the red button on the remote, five or six different screens pop up, one might be a results uh, channel, but all the others, all different sports, take your pick. So if you don't want to watch what's on the main channel, you've got a fair chance of seeing something you might want to look at, which is fantastic. And I understand we have that lined up for 2012 uh, as well, but not before time. Well, we kind of did multi-channel to an extent in that handball was on SBS. Right, yes, SBS was the multi-channel. (laughs) But uh, only for team sports not involving Australia or something, is that right? uh, Yeah, that's right. Yes, and and for those people who still had uh, televisions from 1989 with picture-in-picture... They could watch both at one time. Well, that's just exactly what you want. But also, James, uh, that that kind of comes back to a report that uh, I reported on earlier that uh, 
under legislation from uh, the previous government, the networks aren't allowed to put major sporting events on their uh, their non-standard uh, channel. Uh, in Australia, as far as anti-siphoning? In, yes. yes. Well, not not even yeah. the anti-siphoning. Uh, so it's, it's not to do with uh, cable channels, but... Uh, a- AFL, NRL, Test Crickets, the Australian Open and other major sport aren't allowed by law to be uh, broadcast on those uh, it, digital channels alone. It's effectively the equivalent of anti-siphoning, though, isn't it? Because it's trying to make it so that people who haven't um, improved the technology they have in their television, that is, you know, bought a digital telly, will still be able to see all those key events. Um, you'd expect, or you'd hope by 2012, a lot more people will have digital and perhaps that regulation can change. Well, yeah, um, we've, we've got three new channels starting on the 1st of, of January next year. Uh, one, one, for really? each, one for each commercial network. Uh, okay. And none of them are going to be allowed to show any sport at all. Right. But as oh, it stands well, at the moment, uh, the communications minister is uh, about to launch an inquiry into it. But hasn't every uh, commercial network got their digital channel, which they're showing alternative stuff on as we speak? There's HD. Yes, I mean their HD channel. So 7 and 10 have got one, and 9 have got one. Nine, right? yep. But this will be a standard and deaf digital channel. Right. So it'll just be an extra digital channel. Do you know what impresses me about all three of you gentlemen, you included, James, is not only do you love television and watch a lot of it, but you know the legalities and the politics behind television. (laughs) Anti-siphoning laws. What's? I can't account for those other two. In my case, for many years now, it's just been a question of needing to make sure that I might have a job when I wake up in the morning. You've got to stay across this stuff. The other two, they're just geeks. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been at the Nine Network? Uh, since 1999. 99. And, so, b- and before that, you were at Wynn. I was at Wynn for three and a half, four years, yeah. So, like uh, the apprenticeship. AFL football, when uh, you know players come out of contract, is there a bit of chop and change amongst the networks in terms of news? You know, is there big carrots luring you know your news, Jonathan Brown, to uh, another network? There, there, there can be yes, but right. you really do have to be news, Jonathan Brown. Right. You can't be um, the bloke who's uh, shifted off the bench into the back pocket somewhere <laughs> through the third quarter when you're already eight goals down. Right. You can't be a news, Aaron Fiora. Correct. <laughs> so then, James, <laughs> James, uh, can you can you comment then on the rumours that uh, yourself, Tracy Grimshaw, and Michael Asher are moving to sixty minutes? Um, that's absolutely correct. And apart from doing yarns for 60, I'm also going to be hosting a current affair. I can confirm all of that. And is that oh. with uh, Tracy Grimshaw and Michael Usher? Uh, no, no, no. They'll just be doing 60 minutes. So you're, so you're getting... How are you going to have time for a current affair, 60 minutes, uh, the, uh, the new version of Sunday that will come back when, when you're uh, back home? Is that fair? And, and, and box cutters. Are you guys just... Playing with one another? Yeah, we're, we're just playing. Oh, yeah, we're, Jesus. <laughs> we're, we're absolutely playing. Uh, James, you're, you're, you're coming back to Melbourne to, uh, to do uh, news reporting, though, is my understanding. That's correct. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, and uh, it's, I, I, <laughs> there have been points over the past few weeks when I have considered myself lucky just to still have a job at all. Um, they could have very easily laid me off since they're closing London. But, yeah, I'll be coming back to Melbourne as a reporter, but not before I've taken a good few weeks off, let me tell you. If they meet you at reception with a Crown Casino uh, uniform, you know things are bad. (laughs) 
because you know you'll be you, you know you'll be flipping pancakes in the canteen. Uh, so, well, Lawrence, you know you know the the by the, uh, the the urban myth is that at the by the lift there on the ground floor at GDB where all the news reporters and presenters' photos are. Mm-hmm. That any morning, if you arrived and your photo was gone, that's how you knew you were gone as well. You know, uh, there's also it's not so much a myth. Uh, a fact that uh, the security guard turns up at your desk with a box and says you've got 15 minutes, you know, to get off the lot. Yeah, that's, well, I was, that's uh, no myth. That's a, that, that's that's a television truism. I was walking back from the canteen once to the cottage where we were uh, stationed in postcards and two of the security guards were behind me and they were both carrying cardboard boxes. And I turned around in a cold sweat and I said, are you guys following me? And they both laughed and said, no, nah, you're tomorrow, mate. <laughs> Which I thought was beautiful, beautiful timing for them both. Outstanding, that's so good. But it's it's funny because it is true, isn't it? Mm. Well, I didn't uh, get the cardboard box. I went on holiday and then I tried to log on to the the internet at work and they just went, account closed. (laughs) (laughs) I got an inkling. I guess that's the modern day equivalent of having your picture removed. Oh, television is a harsh mistress. James... (laughs) You are you, you you are going to be on break uh, next time you're, you're scheduled to be on, so we're not sure if you will or will not uh, manage to make it onto the show. But uh, I wish you. I the- actually may well be uh, potentially somewhere in your midst uh-huh. on the first of the next month. Well, excellent. I look forward to that. There's a um, a rather large new jet plane being handed over to Qantas, the first of its type in France in a couple of weeks' time and uh, I might just try to find my way onto that. Uh, Are you not keen to let the A380 have a couple of test flights fully laden before you get on board, James? (laughs) I'm told told they've already given it a few test flights and the way things are, I think I'd rather be flying on their new A380 than some of their old 747. Yeah, point... Um, I'm right. I'm going to get back to London somehow, so I won't talk too soon. <laughs> but just in case, James, make sure you got a camera with you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, everyone will be rolling. Don't you worry. Well, uh, g- good luck for the, uh, the the rest of your tenure uh, there as uh, as European correspondent and as our un-Australian correspondent. Uh, next Thank you, Josh. Because then you'll come back and just be our Australian correspondent, which will still be special. It's not really the same, is it? No. No, not really the same. Uh, but thank you so much, and uh, and we'll speak to you in a few weeks. A pleasure. Take care. La, la, we really la, need a, la, a thing la, la, for this. For this la, la, oh, it's going to come. It's going to come. I have at least. La, 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 Brett Cropley, what did I miss in Rush? In Rush, uh, there was a line in Rush uh, where they'd... They, uh, uh, I think everybody's seen it. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to have a spoiler, then uh, switch uh, off too, for a second now. Too late. It's been on. It's been on free to wear. This last week. Who are our stars? I know Catherine McClements. Uh, who's the guy? Who Roger was, Corsa. Roger Corsa, and he was in um, the show about blokes. What yes. was that called? Uh, 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 Secret uh, Life. Uh, Marie Hardy's show. Yeah. Uh, met, uh, last man standing. Last man standing. Last man standing. As well as uh, Sea Hope, City Homicide. Oh, is he on? <laughs> Seho, yes. See homo. <laughs> um, I just call it chomo. Right, city homicide. Mm, chomo, chomi, homicide. Yeah, no, but in the Australian way of just turning everything into, uh, uh, you know, wayno 
Right. Davo. Chomo. Um, and uh, who's our friend with the lazy eye in Rush who says things like, yeah, I want to be a cop because of the fast cars? Yes. Is that the quote? I don't, I don't know. My, uh... That's not the quote, but, but he is central to the scene where the, <laughs> the, the hot young chick um, cop was talking to him and, and talking about... Uh, so he'd just been to the hospital and beaten up this guy that he felt had driven his kids in a car uh, off the road so that he could possibly kill them. Um, one of them is in hospital. <clears throat> so they've come back to the station and she says, you know what Lawson's like, who's the, the young cop? He's a prodigal kid. He's going to do everything by the book. It grated with me. I, and and there, wasn't, kid. there wasn't any way that I could make the word prodigal actually work for me there. So I, I did go and, and look it up and uh, the, the Merriam-Webster... Definition of prodigal is wastefully or recklessly extravagant, giving or yielding profusely or lavishly abundant. So it's completely of, out of context. So hang no, on. No, how, how many? State, no, start that again. Say, say the defi- You know what Lawson's like? No, no, the definition. the definition. Wastefully or recklessly extravagant. Well, yeah, that's... No, no, no. No, this, no. The, she's talking she's about a cop that will do it by the book. He's really oh. square. He's, he's, he's really square. He's not going to break oh, the rules. She's like, got yes. the wrong son. She thinks that the prodigal son is the one that stayed behind and looked after the farm and looked after his parents and didn't, you know, indulge in the flesh pots of Babylon or wherever it was. She's got the wrong son. The exactly. prodigal son was the guy that went and spent the family fortune, had sex, wasted all his, wasted cash. All his cash, and then came, came back now, home. Now, Brett. What if we find out that in further episodes, she is... That just... he has gone off and spent all no, his cash No, 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 no. But she is the character for, for whom we understand uh, that she's just... All of her lines have malaprops in them. <laughs> right, that's great. I love that. What, right, if, what if we find out that it's more kind of like specific than that, that she's the character that is, uh, constantly misquotes the Bible? <laughs> so always- she was raised by a preacher who was an alcoholic and uh, he had no idea you know she goes um, I tell you what um, that that prostitute the way she uh, the way she killed that she's probably a Samaritan <laughs> what <laughs> yeah you know like a bad Samaritan. Yeah, you should have you should have seen you should have seen this giant guy just beating up on this little kid. It was just like David and Goliath. <laughs> Although interestingly, Lawrence, uh, the Samaritans were actually known as as people that weren't good, which is why the Good Samaritan was was a standout. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, who's the maybe, schmuck now? <laughs> maybe she could have a relationship with Turd Dad in future yeah. episodes. Turdy Dad, who pretends to be smarter than he is. Yes. Now, now how many, how many hands were bad? Racist against the Samaritans. <laughs> it's like saying a whole race of people were bad. The Bible's yeah. way off. <laughs> Look at it today in the States. Um, but how many, how many hands do these scripts go through to actually get to screen making no sense? Well, they go through a lot of hands of people that... That's, this is can't what, write the, very well. But this is this is what I'm saying. What if it is in her character? To, there wasn't any other instance in that whole show. Yeah, I know, but it's first week in. It's maybe, a hook. It's, it's a hook. got and they've got you now, Brett, haven't they? You're but, fascinated. But the LCD <laughs> viewers, the lowest common denominator, won't have been. I thought you meant those with up. new televisions. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey. 
No, they've all got the plasmas. No, they, had the so plasma what, are you saying? Are you saying they should write to lowest common? You know, I'm no, giving, no, I'm giving I'm the saying, writers I'm benefit what of the doubt do. here. I'm giving writers benefit of the doubt here, and you're saying no. What they should do is just write to the lowest common denominator and uh, and only give people no, no, the words that no, they mean to say. I'm saying that they do write to the lowest common denominator. Oh. As as we no as- no I, I disagree. You're not going to use the uh, the fable of the prodigal son uh, if you're writing to the lowest common denominator. You're trying to you're trying to trot out some level of you know intelligence there, which I think is what what Rush showed. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I enjoyed it as as much as I did, and uh, and not the strip, which we'll talk about in our next segment. I think maybe they uh, got it a little bit confused, and we're looking for the uh, the prodigious adjective rather than prodigal. You know what? I'm going to write an email to the uh, makers of Rush and find out from them. That's well, what I'm going to do. Well, you find out who wrote the episode and yeah. uh, and uh, Christopher I'll- Lee, Christopher Lee. Oh, Christopher oh, Lee. Yes. Dracula. Yes. I know, yeah, I yeah. know a Christopher Lee. Oh, you know a scriptwriter, Christopher Lee. Well, no, I know a uh, Ham- actor Hammer, slash... Hammer horror film. No, actor slash uh, sound guy called Christopher Lee, uh, who may well now be writing. Um, hello, I'll, Christopher, if you're listening. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look into that and we'll get an answer on that. Uh, yeah, I was also disappointed that the, the harshest insult they could come up with was, uh, you muppet. Now, that is a, a direct lift from, you know, UK culture. Muppet's been going around for a long time. You fucking Muppet. And uh, I think the use of Muppet is just so cross-cultural. It's wrong. Unless it's someone who's, you know, like Josh would do, reading into the series, going, OK, we want to paint him as somebody who is really into English culture. Does has he, has read, affectations. Yeah, does he use other English uh, UKisms? Um, was, I think it was more than one character from memory. Right. But I, I more than one person used the insult Muppet. Yeah. Yep. So, no. No. Wrong. But, but if but if one of them then turned around and went, tu es du Muppet, <laughs> I went, ah, well. It's French. Well, clearly. Yeah. But uh, just on put-downs and the like, I did hear an interesting one that I'd never heard for in, in terms of referring to a... Uh, uh, a redhead or a ginger recently. Have you ever heard the term fire crotch? Yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, Fanta and pants. Well, I've heard Fanta pants. I've, I've heard. But I've fi- never. I've never heard fire crotch. I've heard fire crotch, but I always thought it was in relation to crabs. Right. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about, fire crotch? Yeah. yeah. How do you even know that about me? That's uh, you know. Right. That that's uh, that's what I it, always thought. It's beside the point. But uh, look out for fire crotch on rush. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And Good I'll evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box cutters. I, um, I, I have a problem with calling a TV show uh, the name of a TV show that's already been. Yeah, me too. Rush, uh, you know, starring John Waters back in the 70s, all about the gold rush and, you know, the miners and the troopers and the Chinese and da 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 and, da, da. And giant mutton chops and giant yes. mutton chops yeah. and you know colonial Australia. It was we've already had a rush, you know. Well, yeah. it seems to be a bit of a pattern because uh, the strip would seem to be about uh, working girls with poles, and yet and yet it is uh, about police detectives in. The Gold Coast. Yes. 
So Australia finally has its own Miami Vice or CSI Miami. Now, I hadn't seen any of it, and I ask you men, with my fingers crossed, is it hom- a homage to uh, Tubbs and Crockett? I wish. I wish it was people in boat shoes without socks, people in uh, in, in jackets without buttons rolling up their sleeves. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was about that. Uh, is there any flamingo? Any Ferrari? No, no. There is, you know, there is a, a, a classic Chevy that's talked about, but I didn't see. Oh, uh, maybe there was a single shot of it, but not of it driving. Uh, the uh, Basically, it is you, you buy the numbers, uh, procedural cop have drama. We got, have we got a sexy Afro-Australian or Pacific Islander? No. In the cast. Everyone's white as. Why? Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the Gold Coast. You you know, why haven't we got no some kind of flavour in the casting? No one's even, you know, ridiculously tanned, which is, you know, amazing because Frankie J. Holden is in the cast. And, uh, you know, he loves a bit of a tan. He uh, he, he lives out on the uh, Central Coast in uh, New South Wales. Frankie J. Is he actually credited as Frankie J? Because at one point he was kind of telling people off for calling him Frankie J, and he just wanted to be Frank Holden right? when he was was trying to be a serious sure. actor. He's gone through his whispering Jack phase. Uh, no, he is there as Frankie J Holden. Yeah. 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 I actually, I think you've now got to call him Whispering Frank Holden. Whispering Frank Holden Diesel. <laughs> Francis Holden. Francis Holden. Uh, so Aaron New Jeffrey from Holden, Whispering Francis. Aaron Jeffrey's in it. Vanessa Gray is in it. Frankie J. Holden. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to uh, go into this in, in too much detail. It's just no good. What mm. was the first storyline? What was the crime? What happened? Uh, a, an abseiling window cleaner uh, fell uh, from his uh, abseil. His rope was cut, and uh, he fell thirty stories to his death. And uh, why was he his rope cut? What was I didn't get that far. Right, I, I've been because uh, I was going to for a moment there when you said an abseiling window cleaner plunged to his death. I thought they haven't opened up the first episode of a new crime show with an occupational health and safety storyline, have they? That's 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 <laughs> pretty much what it was. It. Uh, in my in my defence, at, at not having watched the whole episode, uh, I went to Tasmania last Thursday, where they don't have television, and uh, <laughs> that, and that's racist. And uh, oh no, really? There's uh, wasn't much there, uh, and uh, only got back this afternoon, so I haven't had a chance to uh, to watch the whole episode. I've watched the first segment of it, but it was just so unimpressive and formulaic and. Uh, and ridiculous, and why would you watch that when you could get exactly the same thing but better from City Homicide? And you get a few, you know, shots of Melbourne. But uh, yeah. I, I had hopes for the strip because I thought it, I, I love the Goldie and uh, always have. And when I go to spend time there, I get a, a room in one of those towers, and I go down the beach and swim in the pool and go and eat in the you know, Thai restaurant with the big wooden elephants and they've got a seafood restaurant there shaped like a boat. It's all there. It's great. It's got indie. I was h- hoping that it was, you know, going to be good cheese. And it's 
and it's not. It's, it's bland cheese. It's just, it's just a different setting for that same, oh, I don't even know what he was doing there, uh, Detective Sar- Senior Sergeant. I was, uh, at the time, at my job, uh, counting my uh, chickens, which is my job to do before they hatch. I do not know what you are talking about. Right. <laughs> uh, it sounded like we just crossed to a clip. Let's just have a little <laughs> listen of what happened on the strip. So, um, there's, See, is so, he a good hard-bitten copper, Frankie J? Or oh no, he's just the boss. Right. Uh, you go and do this, and uh, you go and do that, and hey, you, you stick close and don't ask too many questions. Yeah, he's not even really a main character. I want a bit of like. Don't you realise that this is Australia's tourism capital? And if this stuff gets onto the papers, we're all fucked. Now get out there and find this guy before it hits the news. You know. Y- yeah, you want some of that. Yeah, no. want some of that. No, it's, uh, it's... I mean, you know, at the top level, corruption, taken on City Hall, something. It's, uh, I-, I think it's been written by just taking photographs of other news procedurals and, uh, and crossing out you know, New York, Melbourne, London, uh, and just replacing with Gold Coast, Gold Coast, Gold Coast. Right. I think that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, and uh, uh, oh, back at Grundy's. Uh, they, uh, Grundy's isn't even on at, at Surface Paradise in, anymore. What, you know, I, I'd like to. It's uh, Grundy's was Grundy's. Uh, they no, have like a water not, park or something. It's there. not yeah, Grundy's yeah. Really? Gold Coast. It's Warner Brothers. No, no, no they had they had uh, <laughs> Grund- Josh Grundy's had uh, it at Surface Paradise. So not just on the Gold Coast, but right. at Surface Paradise, they did. They had uh, they had four water slides. And, uh, and, and a, a few pinball cars that they do a little show on every half And a, a pinball parlor. Right. That was it. Grundy's on... Yeah, pretty, pretty much it. <laughs> Grundy's at Surfers. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I know, it was weird. Um, I, why doesn't Australian television do a, bit, a little bit more homage, you know, borrow from films and do a little bit of that tongue-in-cheek thing? Like having Frankie wander into the... or storm into the water on the Gold Coast, you know, shooting at a school of fish... <laughs> Jaws one style. Well, I think that uh, I think that a network like Channel Nine would be uh, too frightened to have something that was in any way postmodern that had uh, any thought to it because the strip is on Channel Nine, and uh, it might be the sort of thing that uh, Channel Seven would have a go at. It's mostly the sort of thing that only uh, the ABC would do, and then wait to, and then Channel Seven would wait to see if it was successful, and then buy it five seasons later. But uh, this isn't made by Channel Nine, is it? Who's making no, the strip? No, it's uh, it's made by uh, uh, what's his name, Wild, uh, Chris Wild, who uh, also did Wildside, uh, and Stephen Knappman, okay. uh, who are. Uh, Stalwarts in uh, in Australian production, but this is just like they're doing it in their sleep. Other television that started last week, though, very small business, uh, produced by Robin Butler, Wayne Hope, uh, Jeff Pauls, and Greg Sitch, and uh, the uh, and and written by Wayne Hope, Gary McCaffrey, who did a lot of work with Sean McAuliffe and Robin Butler, directed by Dana Reed. It's such an excellent team and. Fantastic first episode, wasn't it? Did it you enjoy really, it? It really was. Compared to the librarians, which was just Understated so and- so disappointing. Uh, this was really simple, made a, a lot of sense, had some great laughs, had some great cringe moments in it. Uh, 
excellent acting from... So is it just The Office? No, it's not. Is it? Is it that kind of cringy? Oh, no. No, it's, a, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's an Australian kind of cringe. And uh, it's, they've picked up on a very unique thing, which is men in small business, you know, that wear those chinos and that blue kind of chambray shirt with the company logo on it. And when you see them all in lunch bars all around the world, but uh, they're, you know, tucked away in these little concrete estates where there's a m- multitude of different businesses going on. And I actually used to work for one of these companies that had a huge amount of publications and people basically selling ads in these publications that would never be seen by anyone. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, small business slash scam. And these guys have got to convince themselves that, yeah, they're doing they're, they're part of the economy, they're doing business, but Wayne Hope's character is so beautifully realised. Right, oh, yes. Straight away. It's great. And, and the, Kim, Kim Gingell, I think, is, as well, who's yeah. uh, for a long time, I think, been an, an underrated... Australian actor because he's he just does characters so well as the the straight faced Ray Leonard Leonard, uh, the uh, the one time uh, journalist of, of twelve years at the Australian and and two years at the Bulletin and uh, you know it's, who's has, recovering from chronic fatigue yes, and, uh, and, and depression through, and going through you know cognitive thought therapy. Um, he is beautiful. I mean, you know, Kim had to struggle out from under the weight of Cole Carpenter, which is such a massive character in the pantheon of Australian characters. And it takes a long time for that to kind of like be forgotten. But uh, he's doing a beautiful job with Ray Leonard Leonard. Yeah. it's. Uh, I look forward to the uh, second episode. That's uh, on Wednesday nights on the ABC following The Hollow Men. And the strip is on Thursday nights on Channel 9. Very Small Business also has a website. Uh, you can go to the ABC and there's a link there or just Google Very Small Business. And on that website are a couple of little scenes that won't be seen on television. And yours truly is in one of those scenes with Wayne Hope oh. on the website. Oh. And uh, so there's sketches on that website that you can see that uh, aren't available on the telly. We'll put the link to that on the blog. Hey, um, when I cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table now josh you raved about rush last week. i loved it i loved it uh, maybe my expectations were too heightened to actually see it when it was broadcast because I had some problems with it, well, as, as well as as the poor scripting, um, the the CG helicopter at the beginning in that the big car chase in was the, that CG the car park? Or, yes, yeah, and you could tell it was so obvious because the rotors, the blades on the rotors were hanging down when a helicopter flies. the The rotors, the blades get pushed up because it's propelling the uh, helicopter I'll to, upwards. I have to go back and have a look. I and also when he was when he was in underneath the art center and the helicopter was pointing down like that as though they could only see the guy out through the front window so they had to be almost perpendicular to the ground whilst staying perfectly motionless was outrageously stupid. Okay, so you didn't like it based on the no, helicopter. I've got more. And I've I got did more. like it based on uh, the, the storyline <laughs> and the characters. The, the technology with, is it Leon, uh, Sam Johnson's character yes. in, the, in the kind of central overview position? Um, the, the burgers the, are better at Hungry Jacks. The technology of each of, uh, each of these special task force cops having... Uh, the lapel cameras. Lapel cameras. 
all hooked into this central location is completely it, it's a long way away from from any of that happening so again like so, for, so your connectivity so your your problem uh, there is that it's fiction yes i, I have a, i have a no, problem don't with invalidate his he's tr- he's wrestling with the implausibility of it okay I also have a problem. Sorry, let's, let's go back to your, your I also uh, have problem with a the problem because it seems that in these cop procedurals that there is there's a standard now that cops are always so outraged at the at at how gruesome the 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 people that they're investigating's crimes are like uh with with the guy with the eye and uh the the driver trying to kill his kids in the car and and they just they lose control and it's all about cops being cops behaving badly and just the most unprofessional workers that I've ever seen yeah they really do need a a, a crime drama that has a little bit more grit and plausibility to it cops and uh, I know a few cops they don't shout at one another. They'll have a conversation in very low tones. Now, Caruso takes it too far with his, you're, you're under arrest. I beg your pardon? I said, you're under arrest. That's all. Well, I'm sorry. I, can't, I really can't hear you. Um, but, yeah, cops need to be able to talk to one another. And they see this stuff every day. They're not going to get grossed out. And mm. they're certainly not going to become emotional because they know they blow the case straight away. So, you know, we could watch something like, have you guys seen any of The Wire? Oh, Yes. Yeah. Yes, I've seen all of the wire. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm probably speaking to the converter, but there's that. There's a little bit. In fact, even that's a bit too dramatic. I was I was looking at Rush in uh, in the light of shows that we've seen uh, on Australian tel- television recently, like City Homicide and like Navy Seaboat, uh, where uh, sorry, Chomo and Navy Seaboat. Uh, where? Oh, hold on, Navy Sea Boat, Sea Patrol. Sea Patrol. <clears throat> it's easy to say. Apparently, I've never understood that one. Sea Patrol, Navy Sea Boat, it's Navy Sea Boat. because uh, yeah. uh, that's you know that's how simplistic Navy Sea Boat was. It's there was no patrolling. It was Navy. It was sea. It was a boat. Right. That's uh, that's all you needed to know. XO and uh, uh, and and City Homicide, which I just find ridiculously implausible all the episodes that i've watched are just the most ridiculous murders i have ever seen in my life maybe i haven't and, watched enough seho then so I, I i'm not that disappointed in it uh, blair got killed blair from neighbors and big brother got killed on city homicide last week right he was <laughs> he wasn't playing himself <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, playing a character the uh, the the thing is that with Rush, when I saw Rush firstly, uh, he was a, a crime that actually does happen, and uh, and he was well. It a, happened once with a with a father driving his kids into a dam. Uh, it's happened with mothers driving their kids into uh, into lakes. It's happened a number of times, Brad. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's. It's, it's a, You're it's really a real up life. on your history of uh, parents driving their kids into bodies of water. I've got a scrapbook, Lawrence. Uh, the, it, uh, it happened to the Kennedy family. <laughs> they drove people into the water. Yeah, they uh, It happened on a Bond movie. Well, he the, drove a girl into the water. There was one that flew, like flew the kids into the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happened on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke took people into the water. I mean, it happens, Brett. So just enough <laughs> of your cynicism. The uh, asset money professor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The barefoot executive. Uh, it, it happens a lot. That's, yeah, 
Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Bedtime for Bobo. The, uh, the I think it happened in a Batman movie uh, where they drove. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the uh, in the f- f- with Adam West. <laughs> yeah, but even anyway. through the resolution of the show, it wasn't determined that the father had intended to do it anyway at at any point. Which I liked. I liked that that the, the cop may like definitely acted out of turn and had no reason to to go after him and and should not be uh, judged jury and executioner on 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 this scale. We don't know if the father did it or not. Mm. I, I mean, th- this is. This is one of the things that I really liked about Rush is that it didn't uh, tie everything up nice and neat at the at the end of the episode, and they didn't just all go to the bar and go, "Ah, oh, well, what an adventure that was! I wonder what next week will hold for oh, us." I love the final scene at the bar. You know, Quincy MD, the uh, the short order chef behind the bar, giving a bit of wisdom. You know, you're going to have your regular burger. Yeah, no fries for me. My cholesterol's a little high. <laughs> um, Freeze frame. Yeah, I don't. Want, yeah, that's right. Freeze frame. Freeze roll up. Uh, created by and away they roll. Do you know what would be a really good police drama? Considering what's happened more recently in Melbourne, is uh, OPI, Office of Police Integrity, cops investigating cops. Yeah. Now you could make that real and gritty. And and you can give it a three letter acronym. Yeah. So uh, so people love watching shows with with TV. OPI. CIC. Not CIC. OPI. Right. Cops investigating cops. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, you need a nice little subtitle for a good OPI, Cops Investigating it's like Cops. Homicide, Life on the Street. That's right. Yeah. 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 Works, uh, works well. Uh, I had so much that it I does. wanted to say, and I, uh, I, I can't remember any of it except that we have a phone number. An SMS number. For a long time, we've been joking on the show that if you want to send us a text, uh, you can if you know our. Mobile phone numbers. Uh, now we have a box cutter's phone number that you can send text to. You can't call it. You won't get anything. But if you send a text to 0458-CUTTER, 0458-288-837. I've got to work out a, a hip kind of ABC way of, uh, of saying that. Zero, 0458 You've got to say it. Well, that, uh, we just get a, a one three and then our, our frequency after it twice. You've got to say it over the top of Echo and the Bunnyman's Save Us the Cutter. <gasps> so you say the phone number and then turn up, Save so, Us the Cutter. Yeah. Yeah. That would work well. So yeah, 0458 Cutter, if mm. you're uh, listening to this on a tram and you go, Oh, those guys, I want to say this to them, the assholes. And, uh, and so uh, you can just send us a text that way. Nice. So it's fantastic. Yeah. And that'll work really well when, uh, when we actually start streaming live as we're recording the show. That will be when interesting. Is that, when is that going to happen, yeah. Brent? Stay tuned. Oh, really? Really? And uh, also you can always well, that, email us. That'll be to, to complement the video podcast. There is no video podcast. Hey, and uh, you guys... Uh, your listeners or your casters may not know this, uh, but you don't really edit the show. And I wish you could really edit out the bit where I was talking about putting the tape in and you were talking about it recording onto hard drive. And I went, so do you have to change the tape over? (laughs) I wish you could edit that out, but... No, that's the gold that we leave okay. in. We edit everything else that so you like, set do you out. Use a, do you use a three-hour tape? No, it's, no, no, it's a no, hard drive. It's a hard drive. It's uh, 21st century. So your folly, though, Lawrence, is that now you've highlighted it. Yeah. Right. 
You can, of course, always email us, hooray, at boxcutters.net. That brings hooray! us to the end of Boxcutters episode 148, our three-year birthday show. I want to say it's thanks very Ross much. couldn't be here with us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. Mm. 150, maybe. Mm. That's all I'm saying. I want to say uh, thanks very much to James Talia for calling in from Europe, possibly for the last time. One of one of nature's gentlemen, James Talia. He really Wide, is. Widely regarded at Channel 9 as a lovely man. And, uh, and an excellent journalist. And I've it? had that from the head office because I go out with the former general manager's PA. I reckon oh. they should give him a weekend anchor job. Mm. Sure. It's got the face for it. Hey, you're... Uh, you're talking some disrespect on Joey Hall there, and I'm going to take the headphones well, off and engage you in really? fisticuffs. I, I thought it was more Brett Duck that did weekends. Or was that late? Brett McLeod. Brett McLeod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Who used to be Brett Duck on, Brett Duck uh, on Danger Lowbrow. Danger, Danger Lowbrow, yes. With I also want to say thanks to Lawrence Mooney, our uh, fill-in co-host for the day. Hey, it's Thank always you. a pleasure, and the last time I was on was June, so I thought it was time again and uh it's it's fun i hope i don't repeat too many of my tired televisual anecdotes like some sad hack well maybe next time (laughs) (laughs) until next week i should say thanks very much i should say thanks very much to uh to crumpler who are our giveaway sponsors who may have prizes for us to uh give away at yeah. some stage, and again. And Triple R? Did we thank Triple R? No, I have not thanked no. Triple R as yet. I was going to say Crumpler. thank very much to you, 3 Triple Can we all do I'm a... Not, uh, when, they, when they give us bags, I'll give their uh, their web address out. Can we all do a fair famous enough. TV sign-off as we go? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, we can. Yeah. Uh, I will say, want to say thanks to 3 Triple R, whose studios we use for recording this podcast. You can still subscribe and win prizes as part of the Radiothon. Just go to rrr.org.au and you can pledge and uh, and then pay up over the phone at some stage if you want. Or you could just call them on uh, 039-388-1027. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. My name is Don Lane, and I love your faces. I love your smiling faces with the, the sign language. With the sign language. You don't remember the sign language? I do remember the sign language, yes. I continue to be Brecht Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Mm-hmm.